0: Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week. Hey friends, how was your Christmas holiday? we we had a wonderful little break lots of family relaxing lots of turtles and eggnog consumed. Um, I've mentioned before that we uh, like to decorate for Christmas pretty early like November 11th after our Remembrance Day ceremonies we typically get the tree up and so that means we're tempted to start cleaning up the Christmas. Season pretty early after we're done opening the gifts. Usually we wait till New Year's Day or at least uh, early into the new year, Um, but we're closing off the new year, this December 31st, is still in the Christmas spirit, still in the Christmas season, because the Christian tradition celebrates Christmas for more than just, you know, the 24th or 25th. It's more than just a couple of days. The the early church and much of the Eastern tradition continue to celebrate the story for, for 12 days after the birth of that baby in Bethlehem. The the 12 days of Christmas is, you know, we all know the song, right? The 12 days of Christmas, it's that period in the church calendar that marks the span between the birth of Jesus and the coming of the wise men, of the Magi. And it begins on the 25th, Christmas Day, and runs right through till January 6th, which is called Epiphany, or sometimes called Three Kings Day. And we're going to go ahead and jump ahead and talk about the wise men today. I know it's not the 6th yet, but we're going to, Uh, close off the year by talking about the gifts that the Magi brought and what gifts we might bring. You've likely heard reference to these three wise men in some of the Christmas carols we've sung over the last number of weeks. Whether it was in What Child Is This? You know, the, the verse that says, So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Maybe you've heard We Three Kings, maybe the Bare Naked Ladies version, the We Three Kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Or even the little drummer boy references the Three Kings. It says, come, they told me, pa pa pum a newborn king to see, our finest gifts we bring, to lay before the king, so to honor him when we come. Lots of perumpa pum pums in the middle there that I didn't bother quoting. But you'll likely see this joke pop up. It probably happened through your feed already. And if it hasn't, it's going to be coming. The, the, the joke that popped up that says, Mary, exhausted, having finally gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo. Our finest gifts we bring, pa pum pum I can just hear Bing Crosby and David Bowie now. Christmas is not quite over yet. And I don't know if you're the kind of people who have your stuff already cleaned up, um, but we're going to continue to celebrate today the gifts of Advent. For the last number of weeks, we've been turning our hearts to hope, peace, love, and joy. And today we're going to celebrate the, the greatest gift that's ever been given to us, the Christ child, that baby born in Bethlehem and think about how we might bring gifts to him. If we were one of the wise men, what would we bring? This incredible gift that's been given to us. So the word of God has been made flesh, made his dwelling among us. God has become one of us in order that he might save us. And so there were those who maybe recognized this gift from the start, whether it was the shepherds, the imaginary little drummer boy, or the magi from the east, they they came to see this king. And they came to worship. They came to bow down, to pay homage to the newborn king. And so it's the Magi who bring gifts. Today we're going to look at some of those gifts and think about what gifts we might bring. Let's get back one more time into the Christmas story as we close our Advent series, The Gift, Gifts of Advent. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 8 say, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. We'll pause here for a second. So there's these magi. Who are the magi? They're, they're often called the wise men. The Bible doesn't say how many of them there actually were, but because of the three gifts that get mentioned, tradition states that there were likely three of them. And they were uh, magi, they were wise men, they were magicians, astrologers, astronomers. They were they were men who sought to understand the world by looking to the heavens. And they noticed a strange celestial occur- occurrence. They, they saw a star and they, they interpreted that as the announcement of a special birth, that there was a new king that had been born. Uh, so there was this special... Um, occurrence in the heavens, this king who had been born with with something more than just like, a, you know, an unusual occurrence. There was some divine portent to this, um, to this birth. And so they set out at once to find out who it was that had been born. And they followed this star, and it leads them to Herod, who's known as the king of the Jews. And this is where the story quickly becomes a tale of two kings. Herod, the one who was accustomed to people coming to bow before him, who was accustomed to hearing that he was the king of the Jews. He, he had um, built entire cities, monuments to himself. He had remodeled Jerusalem, but he allowed the Hebrew people to continue their worship. So he ruled over the Jews, still attached to Rome, but r- allowed them to continue to worship their God, um, as long as they continue to recognize his power and rule over them as well. Uh, History records that he had built a fortress to the north of the temple, but he still allowed temple worship to happen. He built a royal basilica, more glorious than the temple itself, to the south of the mount. And so he was known as the king of the Jews. He was ruling with like just enough force to keep the people in line and just enough leniency that the people were able to continue practicing their religion. And then these star readers come from the east and they speak of this newborn king and they call him the king of the Jews. Well, this gets Herod's back up. He's, he's uh, concerned. He's, he's feeling threatened because he's known as the king of the Jews. And so he calls the chief priests and the teachers of the law to find out where is this Messiah and when is he to, where is he to be born? And they report back to him that it was Bethlehem. Well, why Bethlehem? Well, Bethlehem was the city of David, from the line of David, which was common knowledge that that's where the Messiah was to be born from. He was going to be a descendant of Israel's greatest king, David. And there was a prophecy from long ago. Micah 5.2 says, You, Bethlehem Ephraim, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. In other words, this second king, this new king that has been born, was no ordinary king. This was a divine proclamation of a Messiah that was going to come, a deliverer, a a savior. This is the town of Joseph. He and Mary had to travel in order to be registered, and that's when the time came for the baby to be born. This baby, Christ the Lord, he's no ordinary baby. This is the king of kings, not just king of the Jews. So Herod sends the wise men on their way, and he says, report back to me once you find the child so that I can come and worship him under the guise of wanting to come and worship. We pick back up in Matthew chapter 2. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. We've likely heard this story a dozen times, whether it's been through the Christmas carols or reading the Christmas story. And, and we can tend to gloss over some of the wonder we find in this moment. Just think about it for a second. These travelers have, have maybe spent months trying to find, follow this star and find the one that had been announced uh, by its appearing. The, their birth had been announced by the appearing of this star. Our manger scenes often include the three wise men, but it's unlikely that they arrived the night of that miraculous birth. It's, it's likely that the star appeared that night and then they began their journey and they made their way to Herod and then they, they found their way to the place where the child was. They would have traveled far and wide in searching for this king, likely arriving months, maybe even up to two years after Jesus was actually born. So sometimes we, we, we get this picture in our mind that it's, you know, the same night that Jesus was born, they bring their gifts, but they've been traveling for a long time. Uh, allow me to borrow some words from Walter Wangren, Jr. He creatively retells the story of the Magi's visit from the perspective of one of the wise men. He writes, I come to honor you, the baby you at your mother's knee. The human you whose flesh is vulnerable to the troubles of this existence. The tender you whose face reflects the feelings of people around you. I come to the house where you are. I knock. I find the door unlocked. It swings inward. And at your mother's nod, I enter. In the courtyard, I find you grinning, playing. You hold a leather ball stuffed with hair as the earth is stuffed with dirt. I kneel down. And you roll the ball to me. I roll it back. You catch it and laugh and I'm transported. You've allowed me to play with you, my Lord. And you enjoyed this company. Now you withdraw to your mother's knee because those who have come with me are entering too. You grow serious at the sight. Are there too many of us now? Are we too big or too colorful, too strange, too needy, too marked with misfortune and sin? Oh, child, don't be troubled. It is we who are in awe of you. In your presence, we can scarcely breathe. You've come from God, holy in your birthing, holy in your purpose, here. Here, I say. Though this may be the house of your parents, it is the world of a people lost in darkness. And you have come. Like blazing light, enlightening the places I live and work, the evenings of my family and the daily routines of all my duties. But you, holy Jesus, have come as gently and naturally as a child so that we can approach you without the terrors of mortals before eternity. Don't be troubled by us. We've come to worship you. So now we bow before you. O oh, Christ. You, you raise your little hands. Even while we worship you, you sweetly receive your due and you bless us too. We feel the sacred heat. We feel your love as gratitude within our breasts, as speechless, healing heat. And here, my Jesus joy, I open my treasure box to give you the best I have. One, two, three. Gold, which signifies your kingship over us. Gold, which is all my wealth, my priorities, my properties, my worldly possessions. I place in your service my Lord and King, for my attachment to you is greater than my attachment to things. Incense, which signifies your divinity. Incense, which is myself, my hands, my skills, all that they can accomplish, my energies and purposes in this life. I offer to you as a living sacrifice, a sweet odor in your nostrils, my Lord and my God. For it was you who knew me before I was born, and you who called me by name. And myrrh, which signifies your death with with myrrh, which is my love, my pure, unsentimental love for you. I will anoint your feet in the Lenten season. With this love, I, this year on Good Friday, will cover You in your grave. And with love, I'll wait for your Easter resurrection. Love sent you to me, my Savior. I have no better gift than to love you back with all of my heart. And now I go again. There are about two days of Christmas left. It's almost time to return to the cold, to the gray labors, and long January of our lives. But I have dreamed the dream of your coming again this year. And I know good from evil, love from greed, truth from deceit, therefore I will not return to Herod or any other king of power. Not to the arrogance or self-righteousness will I go, but only by the route that you've shown me, Jesus, by the way that you are. Kiss your mother for me. Grow well into your ministry. Come visit me often. We'll talk, I'll pray. I love you, Lord. Farewell. I love Walter Wangren, and if you're looking for the devotional that that came from, it's called Preparing for Jesus. He paints this beautiful picture of the wise men visiting this new king, this this perhaps toddler Jesus. They bow in worship, they offer their gifts, gifts that were fit for a king. It wasn't, it wasn't a ball, it wasn't a toy that you would maybe expect to give to a small char- child. No, they came with gold and frankincense and myrrh, all gifts of great wealth Designed to honor a king. And then, having been warned in a dream, they bid their farewell and they head home by another passage. One detail that we tend to gloss over in the Christmas story is just how much turmoil the world was in when Jesus entered history. We paint these beautiful little pastoral scenes with a stable and a manger you know, quiet animals, bright shining stars, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. The entrance of this new king added more chaos and violence to an already tumultuous time. We read just a little bit farther in the Christmas story. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. While he... where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is the tale of two kings. This one who rules in violence and fear, this Herod who has been known as king of the Jews, desirous to protect his throne, his legacy, his power, ordered the slaughter of all boys two years and under in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. This is how he rules. He protects his own. He looks after himself. And when he's threatened, he lashes out. The slaughter of the innocents is not a story that usually makes it into our Advent readings. We have no real accurate records of how many children we're talking about here. Bethlehem was a relatively small town, so some scholars have estimated that the victims that would have been two years and younger would be somewhere between 6 and 20 children in town, and then maybe a dozen or so more in the surrounding areas. But can you imagine, just for a moment, can you imagine 20 to 30 funerals for babies? All in one city, all in one neighborhood. The town of Bethlehem. Can you imagine the grief of so many families touched by the loss? The, 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 the prophecy there, the pa- passage that said a voice is heard in Rama weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Can you imagine that weeping? The first two funerals I presided over were for infants, and there is nothing that equals a mother's grief. The ache of her empty arms, her body still producing milk for a child that will never, never nestle in and feed, A painful reminder for weeks after they are gone. I can imagine the weeping. And that's what Jesus was born into. He he was born into that chaos and that darkness. He was the one who came in to deliver us from that kind of leader, that kind of king. He came as the prince of peace, not one who would wage war, not one who would slaughter innocents, but that's the kind of world he came into. One where mothers weep for their lost children, where tyrants continue to wage war and wreak havoc, where human lives are categorized as enemy or friend, and enemies are expendable. The gifts that those kings brought were given in the shadow of that kind of empire, that kind of tumultuous sort of world. They were given in darkness, and chaos was about to be unleashed in Jesus' backyard. And it's not all that different nearly 2,000 years later is it? Tyrants and kings still kill the innocent in a desperate bid to keep or extend their power. When I think about the funerals of 20 to 30 children in the city of Bethlehem, I think of mothers in Gaza who weep today for their babies that have been killed by airstrikes or died in hospitals with no power. If you think about the grief of 20 to 30 in Bethlehem, in Gaza the toll is now over 10,000 children infants. Let that sink in for a second. 10,000 children. I don't even know what to do with that kind of horror. And I realize that the situation is complicated, that it's, it's not as simple as one side is all good and the other is all bad. But if we're looking specifically at numbers, the death toll in Israel was 1147 at the time of this recording. And there are at least 17,700 Palestinians dead. And that number is still rising. Nearly 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, the world is still in the same darkness and destruction. We still live in the shadow of empires that wreak havoc and cause war and, and, and try to protect their own. There is still a tale of two kings being told. So the question for those of us who follow Jesus, who want to walk in the ways of the Prince of Peace, is who do we bow before? The kings of this world who rule with military might or the manger king who comes to bring peace and light? I may not know how to combat all of the darkness. I may not know what to do with all of that horror, but I know that if I bring my gifts to the right king, if I will bow down and worship the right king, he will use me to bring a little bit of light to the world around me. Neither two, Nearly 2,000 years later, we still bring our gifts to a king. Whether we bring it to the kings of this world and attempt to pour all of our energies into seeing things happen the way that they want it to happen, or we give to a king who rules a different way in a different kingdom. We still give those gifts in the shadow of war and darkness. We push back against the prevailing tide and we bring goodness and light. So as we close the year of 2023, think about the gifts you've already had the opportunity to receive, gifts of hope and peace and love and joy. Let's look back on this year and see how we've received so many great gifts. And let us give thanks for those, but let us think also of some of the gifts we've been able to give. Where have we brought more hope or more peace or more love or more joy? Let's, let's slow down as we, as we close this year off. Let's pause just for a moment to think about the gifts that we give because we have received so much. Let us with hope and peace and love and joy look into this new year and think about how we could bring some of those gifts and offer them to our king where we could take what we've been given and offer it to others our finest gifts we could bring parumpa pum i'd maybe hold off on the drum solos but what gifts could you bring to honor a king as you close out this year what what light could you bring into this present darkness maybe it means doing something here locally maybe it means giving to organizations that are helping where darkness and war is tearing families and countries apart but what hope what peace what love what joy could you bring into this world as you think about the new year where could you see the image of god in every baby every child every human being you come in contact with where could you recognize that they've been created in god's image as well and are just as deserving of the hope peace love and joy that you have received how could you bring those gifts to bear in this world in this hour Come, they told me, a newborn king to see, our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that you come to us in the dark, that even in the middle of trauma and and tragedy, your light shines, that you enter into the muck and mess and you bring a glimmer of hope, of peace, of love and joy. Would you help us to bring our gifts to you that we may bring hope to the world around us, to, to love the way that you love, to make peace the way that you make peace, to spread joy the way that you spread joy and in, in whatever little way we can. We want to bring our finest gifts to you, our King. May you take and use us, especially as we stand on the precipice of a new year. Would, would 2024 be a year where our gifts are shared in miraculous and abundant ways, that others may know your goodness and grace, that others may come to know your mercy and love, that others might be drawn to your light and enter into your kingdom. For we ask these mercies in the name of the King who was born to us in Bethlehem. To him we bring our finest gifts. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Church at Home and for this series. If you've missed out on any of them and you want to go back and watch Uh, on our YouTube channel, any of the gifts of this Advent. But we are wrapped up our series, we've wrapped up this year, and we'll begin a brand new series starting next week where we're going to talk about running our race, going through the book of 2 Timothy. And so for one last time in the year 2023, we send you with this benediction. May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your hands, The wisdom of God be reflected in your words and the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see and seeing believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Peace to you.